0: Brothers and sisters in the Lord, good morning. You know, I was watching some YouTube videos in relation to Tito Vic and Joey. No, I'm not going to talk about It Bulaga, but I was able to see some videos. These are actually recommended videos that happened some years ago about uh, Senator Tito Soto. And in that video, he was being interviewed back then as to what kind of model of leadership he will be using if ever he was voted or elected as the new president of the Philippines. And I was quite surprised. I didn't know it before. Now, this is not politicking since it happened many years ago, that he said that he was going to use servant leadership. And we know very well that servant leadership is definitely drawn from the Bible. And we see this as the example of the life and leadership of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But when we talk about servant leadership, there are certain elements that uh, should basically comprise servant leadership. And foremost is what we call humility. So this morning, we'll be talking about humility. What is humility? What it is not? And how should we see humility, especially from the model of the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, some clarifications. Well, first and foremost, when we say a person is humble, it does not necessarily mean because the person is quiet. A quiet person is not speaking or talking, but maybe his heart is proud. Or probably you're thinking a person who keeps on bowing is a humble person, but may not necessarily so. Maybe the person is polite. Maybe the person has a posture problem like me. So if you're hunched over, it's not necessarily humility from a scriptural vantage point. Now, when we talk about humility, we'll be looking at a portrait of humility. And again, we'll be setting an example, and this is definitely the example of Jesus Christ as portrayed by Apostle Paul. This one coming from Philippians chapter 2. Now, first thing, we would like to look at the principle of what It is to apply humility in our daily lives. Now, when we talk about the principles of humility, I've read some time ago from the book of Tom Holliday, The Relationship Principles of Jesus, that humility from Scripture should be seen this way. Now, probably some eyebrows will be raised when I mention this, but uh, it makes sense. Just allow me to continue on with it. The first one, being humble, first principle, you have to be at your best. Now, for some, maybe you're thinking, to be at your best, isn't that pride? No. By stating a fact about your capabilities or giving your best, uh, since God has invested so much in your life, talents, skills, and abilities, and other things, you have to use it to the utmost because that's good stewardship. You know, uh, we have to clarify this. If for example, it's a line, and I'm at the, in front of the line, and I'm seeing some other person who deserves to be in front of the line, and I make that person... Take my spot, no problem. That's well and good. But if we uh, apply humility this way, for example, I'm in a classroom setting. Truth be told, uh, if in your case, you're the first honor, you're really the most intelligent in that classroom, you have to perform at that level. By thinking, I won't study hard anymore. I won't be at my best so that number two can become number one and number three can become number two and so on and so forth, I'm just going to be satisfied with being number five. Now, that's wrong from a biblical perspective. It's going to contradict with the perspective of stewardship. You're not performing at your best. What God has invested in your life, you have to use it at the utmost. Now, the second principle connected to the first one, be at your best and have the heart to serve. Now, imagine this. If you have the heart to serve, and you were at your best, the kind of service that you will be able to give is the best kind. If I lived a life of mediocrity, I have not honed my talents, skills, and abilities and uh, developed it to the utmost, and I, I have the heart to serve, the kind of service that I'll be giving is low quality. It will be poor quality service. So, this is the principle of humility, I should see it in the Bible. Now, we have a picture of humility, and definitely this is how Jesus Christ applied it. If you read the Bible, you constantly will find that it is mentioned that Jesus came from above. Why is it always repeated in Scripture, especially in the New Testament? Because it shows that what we have, that the life that was given to us, the kind of sacrifice that Christ has provided for us is the best. Number two, from above, it is divine life. It is perfect life. It is holy life. And he made the decision to come down on earth to live among us and to make use of his life to service us. Now, look at Mark 10:45. For the Son of Man did not come here to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So very clearly, the kind of service, the kind of life that we were provided for was the best. You can never think when you look at Scripture that you were given some kind of scrap or something that's uh, uh, not important, not a mediocre kind of service or offering. You and I were given the best. And this is definitely the picture that Christ has set. So this is something that we need to follow. Allow me to read to you uh, verses 1 to 2 of chapter 2 of Philippians. And this is what we can find. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort uh, from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, whenever we look at this passage, we can see that Apostle Paul was appreciating the congregation in Philippi. Now, let me just make some clarifications. Number one, this is not a perfect congregation. This congregation also has problems. Actually, when you look at the chapters following chapter 2, you'll find that there's even a conflict between two personalities in, in Philippi, Judea and Syntyche. But uh, he's saying, as they were continuing on looking at the life of Christ, applying the teachings and the model that they found from him, now, these are things that will help and definitely upgrade their relationships. Now remember, there's no such thing as a perfect human relationship on earth. But we have successful ones and we can upgrade the kind of relationships that we have. And uh, definitely, this can happen if we incorporate certain aspects, we incorporate certain elements, especially humility. Now, let me make a contrast. This is the difficulty in the Corinthian congregation. You're familiar with First Corinthians chapter 13, and we know it otherwise as the love chapter of the Bible. Why did Apostle Paul state in verses 4 to 7 of First Corinthians 13 that love uh, is not proud, it is not boastful? Now, let me qualify, because pride and boasting has an antidote, and that is humility. Pride in this case is not just simply stating that uh, you have good achievements. It's not that. Pride here has to be cleared up. To be a proud person, you want to be number one with a desire. And what is that desire? So that others will envy you. Boasting has another effect also. You want to be on top because you want to say to others, I'm better than you. So these two attitudes do not sit well in uh, the life of a Christian. You have to have a proper appreciation of yourself. And that's why in Romans chapter 12, Paul wrote about it. Don't look at yourself more highly than you ought to. A proper appreciation of your condition and your situation, especially in front of Jesus Christ. Now, in order for us to be able to apply this in the improvement of our relationships, not only in church, it can be applied in the family, it can be applied in the workplace, in your school context, wherever you are. As long as you socialize with people, this is something that can be practical. Now, let's look at the mindset of Christ. In order for us to be able to do this, we have to have the same thinking as Christ uh, applied to himself. The first one, we have to do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now, let me clear this up. It is not wrong to have an ambition. Uh, That's uh, true Uh, because number one, If you look at Proverbs, it's stated there, without vision, people will perish. And uh, many commentaries will agree with you you, if you're thinking that it has something to do with goals, purposes, ambitions, uh, dreams. Now, these things are necessary because at some point, uh, it will basically be leading your future. Meaning, you will be praying to God. He will give you uh, promptings. Most likely, he'll give you a clarification from his word, a challenge at that, to be able to move forward in connection to a specific vision he provides for you. So it's not wrong to have an ambition. But the thing is, you have to keep away from selfish ambition. Let me clarify this. Now, first, you have to adjust your value system. Now, if I want to be the best, nothing wrong with that, but I have to clear up to myself what principles I'll be using. If I want to be the best, example, I want to be number one. I don't care whose heads I step on as long as I'm the best. Now, that's going to be a bad thing. It's going to cause toxicity in your relationship. On the other hand, if you want to be the best and you have this kind of a mindset, I want to, uh, to be at my best, to give my best so that when I am at my best, I'll be able to serve and give the best possible service to other people. No problem. That's a good thing. Wealth. Wealth is not necessarily bad. You know, we have to clarify what's stated by Paul to Timothy. It is the love of money which is the root of all kinds of evil. If this is gained by good legal and moral means, you have no problem with that. That's okay. But if you have this mindset or philosophy, by hook or by crook, I'll be getting that money. That's going to create problems. There will be corruption. There will be illegal activities. But if you're thinking... As I am blessed by the Lord, I would like to channel these blessings to others so that they too will praise God. Nothing wrong with that. So remember, do nothing out of selfish ambition. It's a matter of adjusting your value system. Now the second, value others above yourselves. Now, let me ask you, I know you also watch the NBA finals this year as uh, much as me and Pastor Stephen always do. Now this year, the winners are... uh, uh, the winner is actually the Denver Nuggets. And uh, uh, there was uh, so much, uh, you know, we can say probably, uh, talk about their winning, not in a, in a bad light, but uh, mostly in a good light, especially when they focus on the center, you know, the, the center of that team. It's uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, they uh, branded him as the Joker. Now, when you look at the guy, he is tall. He is very good. He can give you so much points, many rebounds. But when you look at his statistics, he's also top when it comes to assists. So he likes to pass the ball. Every time he's going to be interviewed, he's going to always refer to his coach, to his teammates, as the reason why the team succeeded. Uh, I'm not saying the guy is supposed to be perfect. No, I'm just saying that the way he was handling the interviews and the way he was handling himself in the court Helps in the cohesion of the team. One time, I think one reporter wanted him to say something negative because he was not given the NBA 2023 MVP. It was given to Embiid. And when he was asked, what do you feel about it? Or how do you feel about it? He said, well, I played with him. He's a very good player. So imagine that. The guy does not think about these negative stuff. And he would even compliment others. One of his teammates who was interviewed to talk about uh, Jokic said, you know what, he makes us look good. He keeps on passing the ball, and we also hold the ball, have our opportunity to score and perform, and everybody feels better in playing the game. So, uh, I'm just using this illustration probably if you allow it to trickle down in our activities and how we give importance value uh, to others as christ has done as we have seen him uh, in his service to others we can definitely uh, uh, see improvements also in our everyday interaction with people now there's a third mindset that christ has express concern for the interest of others meaning it does not necessarily mean that you devoid yourself of any importance. It's simply telling us that you also have to give others the necessary recognition and also the necessary opportunity to be able to participate as well in acknowledging their contribution, most especially their person as well. So, these are certain things that we can um, more likely understand as we look at the four steps that we can apply as connected to the life of Jesus Christ related to humility. So, let's look at the portrait of humility as example by Jesus. Step number one, if you're going to make a checklist, no? you know, humility is one of the hardest things to claim that you have because once that you say that I'm humble, most people will be thinking, oh, you just said you're humble, so you're proud. I have a classmate in Bible college. Before we graduated, you know what he stated? He said, uh, when we graduate, probably after a year or two, I'm going to be the most popular uh, among the, the graduates of uh, Phoebes." Uh, so we were all thinking, uh, he's serious uh, in what he was saying. So we're thinking, why is this guy declaring this? What does he have in mind? He said, don't be envious of me. Because I already have a very good title for a book that when I launch it, everybody would read it. And so we didn't realize he was pulling our leg when he uh, revealed to us the title of the book, How to Be Humble Like Me. Well, of course, uh, the guy is our, uh, in a sense, joker in the class. And he was laughing at us because we were really taken by what he was trying to say. We, We thought he really had a formula for success during that time. But now, let's look at Jesus Christ. This one is serious and this one is realistic. The first thing that you need to apply is sacrifice. Now, let's look at sacrifice from the point of view of Scripture. Let me read to you verses 5 to 6 of chapter 2 of Philippians. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You know, when we talk about sacrifice, I think some of us already are applying this but it's just being encouraged that we continue on with it. How do we apply this? There are some parents here, most likely. Now, you know that there are times that uh, a parent will forego benefits, will forego certain advantages to themselves, just in order for them to be able to cater to the needs of their children. You know, I have a friend. He has a, uh, a restaurant. He, uh, he has a franchise with a uh, a chicken barbecue restaurant. And he told me one time, Pastor, I think I'll have a good December. Uh, I, I said, why? Uh, there are, uh, there's a company who actually wanted to uh, have their Christmas party here. So he was so happy. After that happened, uh, the party, uh, we met, I think, a week or a month after that. I asked him, So what happened? Did you really had a good income during uh, the month of December? He said, well, uh, so-so, not that much. So I tried to recall our conversation prior. I told him, did you tell me that uh, you think you're going to have a good income because a uh, company will have their Christmas party here? Well, yes, but uh, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Well, you know, they order that only rice package. They have that barbecue chicken. And the workers, some of them were able to eat 10 cups of rice, putting there the oil and the soy sauce, and then just took the skin from the chicken and basically ate all that that much rice. And they left the, the meat on the leg and they took it home. So I couldn't help it. I asked one of those workers, why were they taking it home? One of them said, it's because I want my kids to also taste this. The other one said, I would like my wife to be able to also have a taste of this. So he thought to himself, well, uh, it's not much of a a gain or an income for me. But he realized these people were sacrificing their own uh, enjoyment so that members of their family will be able to experience something nice as well. Now, in the same light, when we look at Scripture— Indeed, when we look at the salvation that we have received, it is because Christ has given so much of himself, and he even came down on earth and set aside his godhood so that he can empathize and sympathize with us. And that is very important. You know, in Christianity, you cannot accuse God of knowing how you feel and not knowing how you think because he came down here and took on human form. And that's the reason why when we pray to Jesus, we know He knows our experiences. How come? Well, we know very well that He suffered. We know that He also became thirsty. We know that He wept. We know that He also became hungry. He died. Now, all of these things uh, happened to Him because He wanted to relate with our experience. And that entailed sacrifice. It was not to His advantage, but to those who will be receiving that sacrifice, and that was us. And so this is indeed a very good thing. It helps in the health of relationships. You know, the relationship between God and man was reconciled because somebody made a sacrifice. It should have been us who came to Christ, who came to God and said we're sorry and we have to receive the penance, but that's not how we're thinking and that's not what we did. You know what? God in His graciousness and in all His wisdom was the one who looked down on us with compassion. He went down here and uh, took on human form and He offered His life on the cross so that there will be penance, a payment, atonement for our sins. That is sacrifice. For His advantage? No. To our advantage? Yes. Now, let's look at the second step. The second step is called servanthood. Now, Allow me to read to you verse 7, and this is what's stated here, a continuation of what I've just read earlier. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Now, when we talk about servanthood, uh, you know, we need to uh, qualify this. We can serve people willingly if you can get an advantage from them. I was reading a book. It's a from a human behaviorist. And uh, the author, I forgot his name, said, you know what? People are willing to serve those who are in power. True. No? When we talk about people who are in power, because if you are friends with that person, you can get an advantage. Uh, let me clear this up. I also do ministry every month for police officers and police cadets. And I was talking to the officers uh, some time ago, and I even... Ask them the question, how many friends got added <laughs> to your life when you got promoted to officership? And many of them were smiling. They know very well where I'm get, what I'm getting at. It's because when people befriend them, they'll be asking for calling cards. They'll be asking for the guy's number. And if they get on the roads and they commit traffic violation instead of accepting the ticket you know what they will be doing they'll be pulling out that card and then presenting it to the traffic enforcer or be calling that officer to tell the traffic enforcer that they should be given a reprieve from their ticket imagine that then this is what's happening in the philippines now that's the reason why some people would like to have friends who are in power or in position they they have an advantage Some people would like to befriend people who are popular. I had a young person in church one time suddenly shriek in gladness and I asked, what happened? Well, in the Instagram uh, account, I don't know Instagram, I only use Messenger and Facebook. Uh, She said, a popular vlogger was uh, acknowledging her. I didn't understand what it was all about, but uh, uh, it seems that it's going to boost not only your popularity and most likely your followers. Well, truth is if a popular person acknowledges you you feel important and that's the reason why we willingly serve popular people and the third one are the rich people if you can get something probably get a reward or get something from that person you feel good about yourself and that's why we're willingly uh, serving them but the thing is if you look at the life of jesus he came here for whom the sinners the sick now Basically, Christ was serving those who cannot give a payment or a repayment for what he has done for them, for us. We could not give him anything that will compensate him for his death on the cross for our salvation. We're so helpless. But he did it, and that is servanthood. It's doing something, not thinking about the returns, but thinking about what you can do in order to give an advantage to the recipient Of your action no now uh when we look at the servanthood of jesus christ we always have this picture of how he washed the disciples feet you know i was looking at the background of such a custom usually it's a uh, a form of hospitality a welcome of home homeowners uh, to have their lowest servant wash the feet of the guests since many of them most likely have dirty footgear or feet so that's done by the lowliest servant but christ did that for the disciples why He was not even the homeowner during that time. It's probably it's because of this. He was trying to tell his disciples, you're giving me importance. I also want you to know, I am also giving you importance. And that is servanthood. This is the kind of treatment that Christ has for us, not only by actions, by intentions, but this is the heart of Jesus. Servanthood. Now, the third step that we need to practice is called submission. Look at uh, verse 8, as stated here by Paul, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death, on a cross. You know, submission is not easy. According to one author, we humans need to overcome three things, at least according to him. Number one, immaturity. And what is immaturity? Immaturity is the inability, uh, inability to deny or defer uh, gratification. And sometimes, if you look at children, if they don't get what they want, sometimes they have their tantrums. But truth be told, it's not only children who actually have tantrums, even the adults have tantrums. We manifest our immaturity. And uh, it's because we always want to have our way. It's hard for us to actually have others or give others an opportunity to have their way. It's important in relationships to have a sense of submission. Second, uh, whenever we talk about uh, the human problem, it's not only uh, immaturity, it's also insecurity. You know, when we talk about the crab mentality in Filipino, we call it the talangka mentality. If somebody is suddenly rising from the ranks or improving, for some reason, there's a stirring up in the hearts of some people and there's a desire to pull that person down. When that person in connection to me, is lower or equal to me, I, am, I have no problem. I feel comfortable. But for some reason, if he starts going above me and has, ha, is having authority over me, that's when the problem starts. You sometimes see people badmouthing the guy without even doing anything wrong. It's just that they don't feel uh, comfortable that he's now above them or sometimes even negative insinuations are thrown at the guy, there's mudslinging, even though he has done nothing. If there is a conversation between people who do not like the person, probably he bought a new car, for example. How how was he able to buy a new car? Maybe he's selling drugs. Imagine that. Uh, Why would people insinuate that and plant the seed of doubt and suspicion over another person's life and want to pull him down? insecurity. We need to overcome that. And the remedy as given by Scripture is humility. We need this. It's not only uh, in relation to that. It's also impulsiveness. Sometimes we don't control our temper. We do not have the uh, ninth uh, fruit of the Spirit, self- control. There's a need for us to have it. Sometimes even in connection to regulations or rules. You know, uh, Last uh, New Year, we were in Japan. We visited our daughter who was studying there. So uh, we were in Sapporo, you know, since it's uh, somewhat a provincial area. Uh, But still, there are traffic signs, especially for pedestrians. It was already evening, and uh, there were three of us, me, my wife, and my daughter. There was no car from this direction or from this direction, no people as well, just one Japanese who was also beside us. And I'm thinking to myself, if it were the Philippines, we would have crossed already. Because it's impractical to wait in the freezing cold. And there's no, no movement, no motion, no vehicles, no people there. But since the Japanese was waiting for the red hand, uh, for uh, the, uh, the green hand, uh, meaning the traffic sign, uh, she stood there, and we, as foreigners, wanted to follow uh, the, the, the person. And then when the green hand appeared, and we all crossed. You know, in the Philippines, we have this thinking: if uh, there are no vehicles, even if it's green, we cross. Uh, If if it's red, we cross. So what happens? You know, in Japan, even if there are no vehicles, they follow the rules. They submit to the rules. Now, if you go to the major cities of Tokyo, like Shibuya or Shinjuku, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of people crossing the intersection. Why don't they have problems there? It's because they know how to follow the rules even if there's just minimal uh, problems. Here, you have a majority of people coming in and possibly a, a big potential for a problem, but they can control it. But have you ever walked, uh, driven through EDSA? You have there this beautiful pink sign where it states, Bawal tumawid. May namatay na. Uh, why is this such sign appear in the middle of the island in Edsa because people would like to cross that place instead of using the overpass or the more uh, appropriate places to cross. Inability to follow the rules. Whenever we don't follow the rules, it's because we're not thinking about the greater good. It's not because we're thinking about the betterment of the situation. It's usually a problem because we're only thinking about ourselves. Our justification, our conveniences, and we know this very well. Now, how do we limit that? Again, in order to remedy selfishness, in order to remedy the other problems that we have, humility can actually be a useful uh, element that can be not only known, but also applied in our everyday life. And lastly, let's look at step number four. It's called suffering. In uh, verses 9 to 11, this is what's stated. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Suffering, uh, three weeks ago I uh, spoke at a wedding, but before that, uh, some months ago, I had a uh, one-on-one uh, uh, an opportunity to counsel the couple. Uh, It's a mixed marriage, so it's an American with a Filipina. And I wanted to know if the American has a sense of humor like the Filipino. So I told the couple, you know what? When you do get married, you will have three rings. The first one, before you get married, you give this to the lady. Uh, The guy said, yes, yes, the engagement ring. Correct. The second one, you will exchange this during the wedding day. Yes, the wedding ring. Right. Right. But then he was baffled that there's a third one. I said, if you're married for a long time, you will have this suffering. He <laughs> did not smile. He didn't understand Filipino humor. But uh, the thing is, when we talk about suffering, you know very well that at the expense of what Christ has suffered, uh, we know it's a very good thing here. It's not Jesus glorifying himself. Paul is saying, through his words, we acknowledge what Christ has done. It is the Father who, gave him, who glorified him. Why are those uh, uh, perspectives important? It is because if Jesus was the one who did that for himself, then we don't understand what humility is all about. But here, he did what is necessary. He gave up the best that he could. The ones who were given this particular sacrifice couldn't even repay him. And then when he was glorified, he was glorified by another entity, the Father, and even the acknowledgement of Paul, and even us and the other authors of the New Testament. You know, this is a very good picture that sometimes there's really a need for us to set aside our own personal gains and to be able to think about what will help the family, what will help our church community, what will help our neighborhood probably, what will help in the work environment, what will help. Remember, You are a Christian. There is the desire of Christ that you don't only think about the truths. I'm not saying that thinking about the truths is a bad thing. It's a good thing. These are things, ideas in your mind. But more than that, it has to be in your heart. You feel it. You have the passion for it. But more than just having these ideas, these thoughts, and these feelings, the third component is necessary. And what is that? There has to be a manifestation of it. An actual practice of these things. So I do hope that as we have seen the portrait of humility, we have seen the structure, and that's the reason why many people sometimes when they ask me, Pastor, why did Christ come down here and He took on human form? I usually give three answers. The first one, He came down here because He would like to save us, and in order to save us, He needs to represent us. He has to be one among us. That's one. The second, I've mentioned it in my message, so that he can empathize and sympathize with us. When we pray, no doubt we know that uh, Christ feels what we feel. He, He understands the human experience. But there's a third, that we will have a visual aid of what to do on how to apply the Christian teachings. And so this is what Christ has shown us. This is what we have learned, and this is also what we need to follow. So brothers and sisters in Christ, let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because indeed you are a gracious God. You give us challenges, but before you do that, you give us instructions to clarify why we need to do these things. And you have shown us a perfect model as to how we can follow these things. It's through your life. And then from there, Lord, you prompt us to take action, to follow these things that we have learned that we have seen from you. Lord, give us now the conviction to be able to apply these things. It's not easy, there is difficulty, but it indeed helps so much in our human situation. And we know, as much as we're not yet going to be perfect here on earth, we can improve and there can be a betterment, a leveling up of our personal lives and our relationships through our following of your example through our obedience to your will. Bless us all, Lord, and empower us and encourage us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.